0: The Mike Morgan Podcast. Guaranteed to make you laugh. Not a guarantee. Good evening everybody and welcome to the Mike Morgan Podcast. Episode 3 of the Mike Morgan Podcast. Thanks to everybody who is tuning in today. Uh, Just quick two stories today guys is all I want to say on the podcast. Two things that happened to me in the last week that I, I, I just want to talk about. Number one, I nearly died Saturday night. I nearly got knocked down by an old man at a pedestrian crossing on my way to a gig. Um, the gig was brilliant. Up in Cork, smashed it. All the comedians smashed it. Sold out. Great night. Brilliant. But it just stays, my life flashed before my eyes on the way to a gig. I nearly got knocked down by an, uh, 85 year old men in a big jeep, right? Now I have a huge problem in this country. Let's talk about it with old people driving. The The boy racers get an awful amount of abuse. O- other people, other like oh, tiredness kills, all this kind of stuff, not that tiredness is a person or anything, but you know we blame a lot of things for accidents on Irish roads, but the old people lads, Oh my God, like, it is an absolute joke. And if you're old in Ireland as well, you should be only allowed to drive two cars, right? And that's a Toyota Yaris and a Nissan Micra. That's it. There's no need to be driving these G-wagons, these Audi, electric, these huge hundred... You're nearly dead, love. You're nearly dead. There's no need for this big, huge Jeep. You've no kids. You've no, you're have no. you only going to the shop for the paper, like. There is no need for this bit of equipment to be going down. Because at least if you drive a Micra and you crash, you only hurt yourself. You don't take out a family of six in a G-Wagon that you can barely see over the steering wheel. I honestly don't get how why anybody would spend that amount of money when they're that close to the end of their life. Like, I know they're trying to enjoy themselves. They're trying to, you know... Ride out in comfort, I suppose, or maybe it's their dream car that they always wished, and now that they're retired, they want it. I totally get the reasons, I'm just saying it's not safe for the rest of us. Go get a Toyota Yaris, and spend the money on something else, do you know? Like, and and spend your money, I'm not saying don't spend your money, like my kids are going to inherit my debts. There's going to be no inheritance left for my children. They're going to inherit a bucket load of debt because daddy went wild. Do you know? I totally get it. But even if I'm a gazillionaire, the last thing I will be spending money on is a brand new car. And especially when I'm 80 years old. like, And I don't even know what technology is coming out. Do you know that kind of way? Anyway. What I propose is that anybody over 70 years of age in Ireland should be tested once every two years. Do a driving test, right? Because most of them never did a driving test. I'll explain to any of our overseas listeners, if there's anybody listening that's not from Ireland, okay? In Ireland, maybe 40 years ago, we didn't have driving tests We didn't have theory tests, right? When you came of age to drive and you felt like, you know what? I need a license. What you do, you write away to, uh, I don't know, some department in Dublin, okay? You write to them and say, hi, my name is Mike. I would love a license. I'm 18 years old, okay? And they would send you your license back in the post two, three weeks later, having never had a conversation, met you, nor your mental capabilities or your driving capabilities. No, just here's the license in the post. Best of luck. That's literally how everyone got their license back in the day. And there's still people driving on Irish roads that have never done a driving test. There's people in their 70s, 80s, 90s driving on the Irish roads and they have never done a driving or a theory test. Now, I know exactly how hard it is to do a theory test and a driving test. I failed my driving test three times, okay? And I also, right, on, on, my, on my mother's life, I failed my theory test on 10 occasions. Ten occasions from the age of 17, I think, to... I, I was nearly 19 by the time I passed my theory test. My dyslexia caught up with me. I didn't want to tell the people in the driving test centre that I needed help reading out the questions. And to be honest, I wasn't studying, and I wasn't reading the questions properly. I wasn't taking my time. So it was very embarrassing. It was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life. Like after fail number four, I'm driving home in the car with my dad, and I'm like, I'm, I'm slow. <laughs> I'm actually slow, and he's like, "You're not slow, but you just don't actually study the thing, and you keep making me book this, and you're clearly not ready." Do you know? And I'm like, "No, I'm slow." And then he's like, "We'll get it the next time." And then it's like fail number six, fail number seven. My dad's like, "You know what, kid? You actually might be slow." Do you know? So it was very—it was a tough moment in my life. Like even to pass the driving, uh, the theory test, right? You have to get thirty-five questions right out of forty. So the first time I went in and did my theory test, I got 34. Ooh, just missed out. I, got, I, I missed out by one. That's what I missed out by. The second time I went in, I got 26. Eight marks lower than what I did the first time. Do you know? Like way off it way off it, like, as in, G, like, even, like, the guys knew me you now on a first name basis inside the test centre, like, they're like, Mike, you're back again, and when they'd hand me back the results, they be like, we'll see you next day, like, it was a running joke, like, I was laughing with them, but once I left the test centre, I was crying, like, you know, it was mortifying, I used to never, I used to tell my friends that I passed it, after the second one, my parents just said, just tell anybody who asks that you passed it, like, you know, because this is embarrassing, this reflects on all of us now, like, do you, know what I mean? you not passing your theory test is reflecting terrible on the whole family. So if anybody asks, you passed it, and we'll keep going till you actually do. Like I, I used to not to all my friends. I'm saying like I had loads of friends. Whatever friends I did have, the one or two friends I did have, if they were like, uh, oh, so you passed your theory test? I'd be like, yeah. Are you around this Friday? I wouldn't be around because I've the theory test booked. Like you know, I'd be like, no, I'm going to Cork. Uh, uh, selling, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing, but, but what I would be doing is going to a theory test um, exam, and the day I passed it, I got 35, I got the minimum, so even the 10th go, and the day I did pass it, you would think I would have got 40 out of 40, nailed it, not 35, scraped it. Do you know what I mean? So I do know how hard it is to get a license, and there's people driving around here. We don't know can they do a three-point turn, but no, they're 80 years of age, they're they're on medication, and they're they they can barely see over the steering wheel. So anyway, I'm on I I I drive up to Cork City and I park my car, and then I go to the comedy club. So I'm kind of just you know walking up, and I go to a zebra crossing, okay, and. Usually that means a pedestrian has the right of way no matter what. Usually I just when I see a zebra crossing I just cross. But there's something off about this. I was looking at the car that was coming and he was going way too fast to stop, do you know? And even the people were at the pedestrian crossing with me were kind of holding each other back. They're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." And this man zoomed by at about 40 kilometers an hour. Like, I usually have my AirPods in, like, I, I or my headphones in. I, I could have got wiped out. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely wiped out. He just continued driving at 40 kilometers an hour through the pedestrian crossing with sunglasses on, could barely see over the steering wheel, and county sound blaring. Inside, the, inside, it. like you know, you know all that music that be on county sound all the time. I met to the Shannon and jumped to the Lee. I do better on a better see them, them kind of country songs that be played. That ones for James in Do You know, like th- that radio that was blaring inside. Okay, and everyone was shocked. Everyone that was at the pedestrian crossing was like, "Whoa, we just we escaped with our lives there." So the guy that was in the car, the old man. He, was trying to, he drove 50 yards past the pedestrian crossing and then he indicated to park. So I was like, you know what, Mike, you need to go up and have a conversation with him. Like, don't get aggressive, don't say anything, but just let him know that he just drove through a pedestrian crossing and, and try teach him, maybe save a life down the line. So I walk 50 yards down, like this is completely out of my way. I'm on the way to the comedy club. I don't need to be lecturing an old man about a, a, a zebra crossing. Like, I don't need to be telling him all about the, the theory test. Do you know that kind of way? Because I know plenty about it. So anyway, I wait for this man to park the car. While he's parking the car, the old man, I can hear the sensors in his car. So while he's parking, the thing is like, doot, dit dit. dit. <laughs> Bang! He hits the car, the license plate, and the car behind him. It's like, mate, you have state-of-the-art equipment, technology from like NASA inside this hundred grand electric, like it was electric Audi. Like, that's the other thing. You couldn't even hear him coming. Like, you know, it's even more dangerous now. At least drive something diesel so I can hear you coming. But yeah, he had all the sensors and still managed to crack the license plate on the car behind him. I was like, this guy must be drunk. This guy must be drunk. Not only is he old and losing his marbles, this guy is also drunk. So he gets out the car, and I have to remind myself, Mike, he's an old man. Don't get any way, like, make sure your tone is polite. Just try to teach him a lesson. Don't don't, don't do anything, you know, aggressive. Not that I would, but I don't want to sound aggressive, you know. So I go up to my, just as he hopped out the car, um, I said to him, Excuse me there, sir. Uh, Did you not see the zebra crossing? And then... Because Irish people, right, get away with murder in this country, right? This is a perfect example of the wit, the charm, the intelligence, and the the cheek of an Irish person, old Irish people, man or woman, it doesn't matter. The way they can wiggle out of situations with their charm is just amazing, right? So I go up to the old man and I said, Did you not see the zebra crossing, mate? He goes, Zebra crossing? We better get him back in the zoo. And I was, it was so quick. Like Like, as a comedian, I've walked, Past thousands of zebra crossings. I've never thought of that joke once. It was so quick. So clearly this man doesn't have dementia or he's not, do you know what I mean? Completely drunk or anything because he was able to come up with a zebra crossing dro- joke within half a second. I literally said, did you see the zebra crossing? He was like, I didn't. We better get him back in the zoo. It was hilarious. So hilarious. I completely forgot what, what we were even talking about. I, I was like, what are we even talking about here, man? We're just both laughing here at your zebra joke. Do you know? And I'm on the way to a comedy club. I might rob it from you. Do you know? That was amazing. And I, d- I didn't know what we were talking about anyway. I forgot what I even came up to him about. We had a polite conversation. But then I did say to him, I-, I think you cracked the license plate behind you, mate, when you were reversing your massive spaceship of a car. I think you cracked the license plate. And he went around to the back of, the, of, of his car, looked at the license plate, looked at me, looked at the license plate again, looked back at me, And goes, what do you think of all the Ukrainians moving over? It's like, mate, why are we... Like, how did you change the subject like that? Like, all people are too... Cute, intelligent. They're too smart. Their social skills are far better than us. You know that they're able to wiggle their way out of these situations with either asking me a question about Ukrainians, which is a huge political question, and st- stems it away from the license plate, or making a joke about a zebra crossing the road, deflecting the fact that you nearly took out six people at a zebra crossing. But your joke was hilarious, mate. The things that Irish old people get away with because they're so funny—they get away with absolute murder and lads like it was a disaster of a situation i didn't because that man was so funny i didn't get to lecture him on how poor his driving was maybe he would have learnt a lesson because he definitely never did a theory test like he might have gone oh is that what a zebra crossing is i don't know man i never did a theory test i wrote away from my license maybe that's the conversation we would have had he would have learned something i would have got to teach them something maybe a friendship would have blossomed nah because the man is so witty, none of us got to teach each other anything, and he's probably gone on to kill two people since in his massive jeep. Do you know what I mean? It makes no sense, and this is not age as a meter, guys. This is not me giving out about old people. Like, I love old people. I often, like anybody that knows me, my grandfather died there about a year and a half ago. The man was my best friend. I loved the dude. Not only that, I loved his friends. I loved uh, any any old people. I love talking to them. Their social skills, just how I explained it to you about the zebra crossing, they're hilarious. They look you in the eye and they have a conversation. Young people today glued to the phone. Like, I went to get... I actually got a McDonald's there yesterday, right? I went up to get my order. Your man walked not one, he was a young fella, he was about 18, he had plasters everywhere because he was covering all his piercings and all that kind of stuff, and the man had the personality of a box, like, do you know what I mean, of a cardboard box, the man had the personality. Like, he walked up, I said, can I have a regular cappuccino? He said nothing, took my money, gave me back my change, and nothing. Joined the transaction, didn't speak a word, didn't acknowledge I was in front of him. No, please, thank you, nothing. No, he could have been having a bad day, he's a young fella. I've I've been there, you know, but young people in general, I can't have a conversation with, old people on the other hand, fantastic conversations with them, I love them, so it's not actually, it's not going on about ageism, like like my family had to stop, my grandfather driving, and my grandmother driving, like it was like, uh, they were like, Back they were hitting curbs, they were hitting our cars when they come to even our house, when they'd be driving up the driveway, they'd actually clip our cars. Um, ridiculous stuff. So we came up with a family decision that it's not safe for everybody else on the road if these guys are driving. And I really think people need to be honest with themselves as well out there to go, geez, should should Uncle Shamey be driving? A G-Wagon at the age of 95 when he's shitting his pants. I don't think he should be. But look, it's a family decision. It's like, oh, you wouldn't want to take away his independence. you take away a family of six's independence fairly lively if we don't cop on. Do you know what I mean? You drive him to the shop. Do you know what I mean? That's what we did as a family as well. It's like, lads, all like, right, pappy can't drive anymore. But we, like, and that's a huge part of his independence. So we all got to chip in with driving him to the shop. And we all did. Do you know what I mean? To make sure he'd never want for anything. So it is a, a big decision as a family to make. And I understand most old people maybe don't have a family like that to look after him. Or maybe they passed away. Or maybe they didn't have any kids. I totally understand. There's loads of reasons to it. And, um, like, yeah, exactly. So it's not ageism. Just before I get into my second story, just on about talking to old people, I have a grandmother. She's ninety-two years of age. I'm so blessed to have a grandmother at the age that I'm at, and even my grandfather who passed away. I'm so lucky to have a, a, a relationship with both my grandparents to the age of thirties. Like it, it's so blessed. But um, look, my grandmother. Like I, I feel bad lately because I don't see her as much as I do. I, I should do, and she's starting to lose lose her you know her mentality or her marbles a bit i suppose she she doesn't know who i am she doesn't know where she is sometimes like and it really hurts me because i used to call into her every friday and she'd be up to right up to the pandemic and she'd be able to slag the balls off me we'd be able to go out for something to eat she'd be able to call up apache make the order like like everything knew my name when i came in everything slag the balls off me Just so quick. So you might have to listen to the same story twice, but that's as far as it went. Since the pandemic, it's like she could think you're anything. She could think she's twenty again. She might think that I'm her father. She might think that she I'm her son. Anything could happen. But whatever she when I go visit my grandmother, whatever she thinks I am, I just play that character. There's no point correcting her. There's no point like going, Oh no, no, I'm actually Mike. So the last time I went to visit her she thought I was my brother. No, me and my brother do look similar. Only difference is I'm far more handsome. Um, but my grandmother seemed, can't seem to tell the difference at the moment. I'm only joking, Connor. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. No matter what they say, yes, words can bring you down. Ho oh, oh, ho. Oh. I'm sorry. Anyway, went to visit my grandmother. She was like, hi, Connor. So I was like, okay, I'm Connor today. There's no point correcting her, like I said. There's no point, like, she, she's 92. What's the point correcting her, you know? Let's just have a conversation. So I sit down with her, and she goes, Oh, I'm so worried about Mike Og. I'm Mike Og. Do you know that kind of way? That's me. And I'm like, oh, what? I, I, I didn't want to correct her. I was like, so what's wrong with Mike Og? And she's like, oh, Connor, you know yourself. He thinks he's the big man. I was like, you know yourself? I was like, what conversations is, she, is Connor and Nanny having? Are they bitching behind my back? What shit are they chatting like? Do you know what I mean? Anyway, I goes, uh, I said, ah, oh, wh- go on anyway, what, 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 what's wrong? And he goes, I'm, I I, stay up all the time praying for Mike Oag, because he's so innocent. I was like, Nanny, I don't like where this is going. Do you know what I mean? He thinks he's so funny, and he mightn't be that funny at all at his Comedy concerts, that's what she calls comedy shows, comedy concerts, and now she's admitting that she doesn't think I'm that funny. It's like, Nanny, you always laugh when I come around, do you know what I mean? So why is this coming out? Anyway, I can't say that because she thinks I'm Connor. So I'm like, right, 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 and and, and no, like, he, he's flying, he, he loves it, Nanny. No, no, I he's very, very innocent. I'm afraid that when he goes up to Cork and when he's doing his comedy concerts that... And to be honest, I don't even think they're laughing at him. I'd say he's deluded. It's like, Nanny, you're breaking my heart, love. You're breaking my heart. So she goes on to say, right, this is what my grandmother's worried about in my life, okay? So she says, Michael, will be outside a comedy club and he'll be thinking he's the big man and people will come up to him and they'll say, how much money did you get paid for that? And Mike Og will think he's clever and he'll say, I got paid loads of money. And then the lads talking to him will say, can I see it? Let Let me see the money. And Mike will be so stupid, because Mike's a bit stupid that way, he'll show them the money. And then they'll ask to hold the money for a few seconds, and Mike will give it to them to hold the money, the other lads that outside the comedy club. And then when they get Mike's money, they'll go, I'll be back in a few minutes, I'm just going around the corner. And what Mike won't know is that they won't be coming back, and they'll run away with his money. Oh I worry so much about him. It's like, are you actually serious? Is that what you're? She prays to Holy God ten hours a day for me uh, that I don't that I don't rob myself. That's what my grandmother's so worried about that I might rob myself. Like that's not even robbery. If that situation happened that someone was outside a comedy club and they asked to hold my money and that I gave it to them to hold. And they went away with my That's not robbery then. That's the like if I called the police and told them that story, they would like be like, mate, there's no case here at all. Like you're actually an idiot. Like you just gave someone your money. You're a clown. Like I would the guards would laugh at me like and they'd have every right. That is the stupidest like I cannot believe my grandmother thinks that I'm that stupid. Or that anyone is that stupid that I would give whatever little money I have to a stranger's hand to hold. That's in her, to hold, what was happening back, is that how easy it was to outfox people back in the 1940s, can I hold that, I'm going to go around the corner now, two minutes and I'll be back, did, 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 did. never come back, like is that how easy it is, ah oh, man, so I was very upset anyway inside there, because I'm pretending to be Connor, and, and, and like, and, and she was like, you know yourself Connor, you're always talking about it, I was like, that's it, I'm going to do Connor here, I was like, nanny, do you know the way I'm Connor, she was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, I sell drugs. I sell drugs to to school children. That's what I do. That's what I do. So I'm trying to get him caught now. And then I also said that I I, I suck things down anyways for money. And I'm not even a homosexual nanny. Me, Connor, I do that. And she goes, I always thought Mike would be the gay one. But yeah, again, I'm getting roasted by my brother and my grandmother. But like I said, go have a conversation with your grandparents or your parents if they're getting to that age. They're beautiful and they're far more interesting than the young people you can talk to today. And that's a fact. Do you know what I mean? It's like talking to a cardboard box, talking to young people today. The anxiety that they have. I actually feel sorry for them. I do. I actually feel really sorry for them. So anyway, the moral of that story anyway, retest all the old people. Don't they kill me at a pedestrian crossing? For God's sake. So the other thing I just quickly wanted to go over. Again, guys, it's a comedy podcast, but sometimes it might be a sad story, serious story, whatever's on my mind. And I can't get this out of my mind. Uh, the past one or two weeks so I was working in a van last week and I had to train a fella in So basically just showing him the route, um, just seeing does he like the job, and he can decide at the end of the day, does he like the job. Basically, I'll train anybody in that wants to be trained in. There's no training. Can you drive a van? Can you lift a box? And can you write a bit of paperwork? There's nothing to it. And at the end of the day, then, you have to decide, do you want to keep working or not work, basically. Uh, That's my job. Three days a week, I work in a van. The rest of the time, I do comedy. Hopefully, in another few years, or even any day now, I'll be able to do comedy full-time. But till then, I have no problem Uh, doing a real job as people say doing a real get a real job clown but yeah uh, so I have a baby now so I have to have somewhat of a real job I can't be full-time comedian and by what I mean full-time comedian when I was a full-time comedian I I I was just like getting by like I had enough to eat and diesel in my car like like sometimes full-time comedian can be like you know it's it's a dark road but anyway what am I talking about anyway so I had to train this guy in last week okay I had to drive to Kilkenny this guy was from Afghanistan Afghanistan. He was the same age as me and we had the most amazing conversation I've ever had in my life just so open to the different cultures uh, to the differences between the two countries and um, or the two like the two continents even um, uh, it was absolutely amazing and I loved talking to him and he was as open as a book like we talked about women how they treat women over there and um, how they treat their parents how they deal with laws uh, what they think of Americans compared to what the Western world would think of Americans no he's not like oh debt to Americans it was none of that he was just talking Talking about You know, like the movies with Mark Wahlberg that come over where Lone Survivor, where they come to Afghanistan, kill 200 Afghan civilians, and then when Mark Wahlberg gets shot at the end of the movie, we're all crying. It's like he just killed 200 innocent Afghan people and we're crying because Mark Wahlberg got him a, a bullet at the end of this. It was a crazy conversation I was having with him. But I tell you this, I, I'm not going to name him because I don't know does he even know that I do podcasts or comedy or anything like that. And I'm not going to say anything about him other than the journey, because I don't know, does he want me to say anything, you know? Maybe down the line I'll bring him in, and he can tell us. But I was blown away by his journey to Ireland, you know? So in Afghanistan, you get no passport. You can only go to Pakistan or Iraq. They're the only places you can go, unless you get a fake passport uh, to leave the country. Now, I stupidly asked this man at the start of the day, did you know anybody that died in any explosions or crossfires or anything like that? And he left. He actually laughed at me. He was like, Yeah, I know hundreds. His brother died in an explosion. Um I like honestly, like I was nearly crying listening to the guy like you know, It was it was actually so his family made a decision that one of them had to move. So he was actually a wealthy Afghan person. By wealthy it would still be lower class here, but he had more than most Afghan people. And if you wanted to leave Afghanistan, you had to do so illegally. And you had to pay an agent 7,000 US dollars. That's what you had to pay. Your whole family had to pay up, sell whatever they had, and pay an agent to get you to Europe. Now he would get you to Europe, but you didn't know where in Europe you were going or what country you were going living in. He would only get you that far. Now there's about, I'd say a 50% chance you'd make it. There's a 20% chance you'd die, and there's a 30% chance you'd get caught. Do you know that kind of way? So his journey started, um, obviously in Afghanistan, to Pakistan, Pakistan, to, and then he had to cross over and have to go to Turkey. Now, the Pakistan mountains, he there was snow all over it, into Turkey, snow all over it, that there was even frozen dead bodies that had been left behind. You can't get left behind in this group. There was about 30 of them. If you get left behind, if you say to people, go on away, uh, I'll catch up, there's human traffickers looking for you that will try catch you and hold you for ransom and try take money from your family, going, I have your son. We'll give him back if you give me $5,000. So you can't get left behind. So he's passing frozen bodies, frozen corpses on his way up the Pakistan mountains um, and they get to Greece. From Greece, he has to hop on a rubber dinghy that says it's only suitable for six people, guys. And there's 30 people on it. He's to get a, a dinghy from Turkey to Greece. That's what this man had to do. And I asked him, I goes, Could you swim? He was like, He laughed at me. He goes, I can't swim and it don't matter. He was like, if you fall off this, you're not, it's choppy oceans, mate. You're not going to survive, like, you're just not going to survive this. So there's 30 people on a dinghy that only says six people. So they get to Turkey. From Turkey, they get in the back of a car. It, there's like four of them in a boot, six of them curled up in the back seat. And that brings us from Turkey into uh, is it Austria and stuff like that. They basically get to Italy. Now, when they get to Italy, they have to bring a nice Nice clothes because they're going to a train station and they have to study the train timetable. The reason for the nice clothes and studying the train timetable is when they get to Italy, they have to walk onto the train platform like they know exactly what they're doing. If they're looking around the place like they don't know what they're doing, the guards will see them, smell it, and send them straight back to Afghanistan. They'll smell that there's like, this guy don't get what he's doing. So they all studied the timetable, they know what platform they're going onto, they know what train they're getting onto, and they're dressed casually. They don't dress, or they're dressed smart. They don't wear these clothes until the day they get to Italy, basically. So he gets to Italy, he gets to the train station, he gets to the train that he wants, and that train will bring you up to the north of France to where the ports are. And then from the ports, you have to get a truck. Now, the truck, you don't know, is that going to England, Germany, back into the mainland of France? You don't know where that truck is going, but the agent's job is just to get you to that truck. Once you can get back into that Arctic truck, that's the agent's job done that's what you pay seven grand for to get put in the back of an arctic and and the driver doesn't even know you're there no he also said that you could pay 15 grand to an agent and that would get you a guaranteed trip and all that that means is that the driver in the arctic truck knows that you're there so he can leave food and water in the back and also when he's letting you out of the arctic truck he'll do so in a safe place or in a central place where you can just walk right to a police station or whatever you want to do you know so he gets to the truck, um, the driver doesn't know he's there, there's about 30 of them that get into the back of this truck. This arctic truck, the agent closes the door, um, locks it up, makes make, like so they break the padlock, but they're able to fix the padlock in such a way that the driver won't notice until he gets to his final destination and has to break the padlock. Now when the padlock breaks at the destination, you are told to run. Just, when you feel that truck is stopping, you don't know what country you're in, but when you hear that padlock breaking, you be ready to absolutely run. There was 30 people in the back of this, okay? No water, no food, and they were there for 48 hours. There's fellas in there with claustrophobia. The people are fighting in the back saying, shut the fuck up. Don't be don't be making noise, they'll hear us. Do you know that kind of way? No water, they're all dehydrated, and they have to stay quiet as a mouse for 48 hours from France. The door opens for this man, guys, in Asketon County, Limerick. This man from Afghanistan, the door opens in Limerick. So they all run out. The driver's like, what the fuck, what the fuck? But they're all running out, 30 of them. They run into a field. They finally get onto a main road. Um, They flag down a person that will let them use their phone. And then they're they're here. They get to be an asylum seeker, a refugee. And he knew that. He knew when he left Afghanistan that he could never come back for 10 years. That's the rule because you're in fear for his life. His brother was killed. So, therefore, he, was, he fled, fearing for his life, and that's the rules. So, you have to stay here, and you can't go back for 10 years. That's the rules for being a refugee, not a refugee, but an asylum seeker. So, he, so, his father had died since. He was best friends with his dad, and he knows exactly what he left behind. And he was able to bring his wife over then. Um, and I was just mind blown. Like, that man got in a truck in France and he did not know where it was going and it ended up in asketon he climbed over mountains in pakistan he got a dinghy from turkey to greece with 30 people that said there's only six people allowed he was in the back of a car for fucking for 2 days till he got to italy in a boot of a car with four other people till he got to italy got a bullet train to france slept in a forest in france till his truck was ready Got into that truck. Didn't know that truck take him to Norway, England or Ireland. It ended up in Limerick in Asketon, County Limerick and he was able to get out like that'll tell you the problems I have in my life I'd be worried about am I not doing enough comedy Uh, I should be way further along in comedy Uh, do I have enough money Uh, how come I need to get a mortgage I'm 31 years old I can't even get, get a mortgage all these things that I'm worried about and then this man for the day's work I put down with him made me feel so lucky made me I was motivated listening to his story I was inspired listening to his story And I was enlightened by the the, the stories he told me in his culture, like people that get their hand chopped off if they rob something. I was like, is that true? Do you get your hand chopped off if you rob something? He was like, yeah, 100%. And he goes, we don't even have police. He was like, it's the people of the town that'll catch you. It's the people that will drag you down to the town square. He goes, his parents would make him watch. Like, his parents, as a kid, would bring him down. You, like, kids are told to look at this. This is what happens if you rob. If you steal, this is what happens. You get your hand chopped off. And not only that, it's organized. There's an ambulance waiting to stitch you up straight after. Like, like it is no problem. This is how it's done, you know? Uh, now, I don't know do I agree with that, but for more serious crimes like murder or rape, like, if you rape someone you get stoned, like, your, 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 the family of the person you raped get to stone you to death, and, like, I, it sounds very aggressive, but also, like, we have people in this country walking out after five years, after doing the most ridiculous crimes of all time, like, would it not be better that the whole family gets to let her into him with a load of stones till he's dead and till he gets what he deserves, or she, you know? No, maybe not. Maybe I lost you there, guys. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm turning into a Muslim a bit. But he was trying to sell it to me, no, a small bit, and I I did get. I, do you know what I mean? He was comparing de- like our culture and their culture. Again, I was kind of saying I don't like the women aspect. I have a girlfriend and a daughter. I wouldn't like to be treated like that. And then he was kind of saying, no, we worship women. The whole reason that we don't allow them to do things is because we don't want them. We want to provide to them. They are so amazing to us that we want. We don't want them lifting a finger, all that kind of stuff. So he was coming at it from a different point of view the point of view i was trying to say but we had a great conversation and i was absolutely overwhelmed by his journey to this country i say all that to say this i asked him did he want to keep the job at the end of the day and he said no thanks i get something better so even after all of that all the like that man came through in the back of an arctic truck and he still doesn't want the job that i have do you know what i mean made me feel like a total plunker made me feel very shit about myself it's like do i need to upskill do I need to be going back to college? Because a guy from Kabul that came over, that passed dead corpses and hopped in a rubber dinghy and got a bullet train to Le and then got an arctic truck for 48 hours and got out in Esketon doesn't want my job. Do you know what I mean? So it really hit home. So, guys, they're the two stories that I wanted to say. I'd know where they're funny, but I can't get them out of my mind. Do you know that kind of way? Um, Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you could give it a five-star review, it would really help things, guys. And also liking and subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on. That that way you will be able to get a notification any time I bring out a podcast. And it really helps boost everything as well. So thanks very much for listening, guys. I'll see you later on in the week. Uh, Peace and love, y'all. Peace and love.